Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. everybody welcome 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 once again you're hanging out with us on today's show hey everybody yes you're hanging out with us again <laughs> yes i know yes 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 absolutely welcome 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 we'd like to uh, give you all a warm warm welcome to today's show as always i'm your host of first faith and you're hanging out with us on her show too today award-winning international human rights activist Monday Sangera is going to be hanging without hanging out with us tonight yes very very special lady doing some really really special work and um, yeah gonna be chatting it up with her and um, we're going to be talking about um, forced marriage honor killings um, if we have time on the show we might touch on FGM which stands for female genital mutilation. Some people may call it um, female circumcision. Um, yeah, abuse and witchcraft. So we might actually um, touch on those. Those are very broad topics, so we'll just go with the flow. We'll see. Um, we'll try and cover as much as we can. You know, we'll just see what the, you know, we'll just see how we can fit it all within the time that we have. And um, yeah, and take it from there. So welcome everybody. As long um, as always, we're glad that you guys are hanging out with us tonight on today's show. And um, as always, we're definitely looking forward to taking your calls. Yes, you all know we love to hear from you as well. Um, so go ahead and call in. The calling number, y'all, is 515-602-9735. That is the number to call. Please remember that if you're calling from outside the U.S., you need to dial the U.S. country code, and then you can go ahead and dial 
9735 and that should be right in. Yeah. Welcome everybody. I hope you had a great day. Uh, for those of you who are just getting up in some other part of the world, um, good morning. <laughs> for those of you who are winding out and, you know, slowly timing in um, as we are here uh, in Scandinavia, um, good evening. Yeah, but um, but um, yes, uh, before we, we, we go into what we like to call our welcome party, I want to remind you all that um, the chat room is now open, so you're most welcome to come on in and join us in the chat. Okay, go ahead and do that. Y'all can also send us your messages on uh, Facebook, on Twitter. Y'all can inbox me. Y'all know how you do. Go ahead and do that. I know some of y'all don't want to sign up for Blog Talk. I don't know why, but that's how you can get it. <laughs> Yes, yes. If it's your very first time on Block Talk Radio um, and you, you don't know how to navigate your way around it, all you got to do is come on over to www.blocktalkradio.com forward slash Her Story 2, and that is H-E-R-S-T-O-R-Y-T-O-O, and then click on the link. Yeah, go ahead and simply click on the link that says sign up, and that will get you right in. Okay? But no worries for those of you who don't want to do that. Go ahead and do what you all always do. You all will be WhatsApping, Skyping, you know, dropping your messages front, left, right, and center. Go ahead and do that. You still get all your messages. Okay? So you can go over to Twitter and send us your messages um, to the handle Her Story 2, and we will get all your messages. And maybe, um, you know, if we have time on the show, we'll ask Mandy um, your questions. We'll share your questions with um, Ms. Sangera. Okay, y'all? Okay, now. Um, yes, yes, yes. Um, yes, of course, our co-host Shaz will be joining us later. Um, yes, um, you know how Shaz does. When she joins us, she'll just jump right in and then say hello to y'all so y'all will know she's there. Um, for those of you who are on the call line, um, remember that you need to push one and that will be my cue that you want to join in the conversation, okay? Otherwise, this is a radio, uh, you know, it's a radio show, it's live, so we have to really pay attention to the background noise and all that, okay, y'all? So that's how it works over here. Okay, Delki, so we got that out of the way. Today, Mani Sangera, an award-winning um, consultant, she's a community consultant as well, and a global campaigner, is going to be talking with us today. Um, as well as uh, being an international human rights activist and a motivational TEDx speaker from the UK, um, you know, who, you know, travels around the world, empowering and motiv motivating others. Um, Mundy is an expert in various development-related fields, and she has been during, uh, she has been driving innovation, she's been building strategic partnerships, she's been promoting advocacy and programming in the areas of human rights, gender equality, accountability, and social justice globally. Okay, and that is just to say the least. Okay, this is who Mandy is. And for those of you who, um, you know, are very new to this very sensitive topic, today we're talking about forced marriage, honor killings, very, very sensitive topic. And some of you might be like, oh my goodness, Faith, why are you talking about this topic? Because it needs awareness, because it's a taboo topic, because it's a sensitive topic. And, and what we have learned over the years is that just because something is taboo and sensitive doesn't mean it's not happening. Okay, y'all? And so we want, to talk, we want to talk about this. We want to raise awareness about this. Hopefully, we can also share some information that could be useful to help you all identify, you know, 
um, honor, you know, people who might be going through these kind of situations. And also, um, we hope we will have time for money to share ways that you can get involved. Okay? Um, yes, it's very important. Um, um, yes, it's very, very important, Tina. Um, because only, according to The Guardian, and this is in November, it's an article posted on The Guardian newspaper. And this is this month of November. It's, uh, it, uh, it says that only 5% of honor crimes reported to police are referred to CPS. So there's a charity that says police in the UK are failing the victims of honor-based violence, forced marriage, and FGM. Okay? 5% is, is a very low number. You know, um, the police are failing the victims with just 5% of reported cases being referred to the Crown Prosecution Service, a leading charity has warned. The number of cases of honor-based violence, forced marriage, and FGM reported to the police has increased by 53% since 2014, figures obtained through the Freedom and Information Act show. However, despite the rise in reporting, the volume of cases referred to the CPS and CPS stands for Crown Prosecution Service for a charging decision is the lowest it has been for five years. Um, uh, the article goes on to say that more victims of honor-based violence are coming forward to the police than ever before, but worrying the evidence suggests these seeking justice are being failed by the system, says Diana Nami, the executive director of Iranian and Kurdish women's rights organization. The number of honor, and this is honor in you know, quote and quote, honor crimes reported to the police increased from 3,335 in 2014 to 5,595 in 2015, a rise of 68% according to data collected by the charity from every police force in the country. The number of reports dropped slightly to 5,105 in 2016. However, the latest figures published by the CPS show only 256 honor crimes, and honor is always in court, um, were referred to the organization by police in 2016 and 2017, just 5% of the cases reported over a similar period. And the 256 referrals resulted in 215 prosecutions and a subsequent 122 convictions. So, you know, this is a big issue. It's going on. Um, Yes, it's going on, and, and this is not a British issue for those of you who think, oh my God, you know, what's going on, what's going on in Britain? It's not a British issue, okay? It's a global issue, and that's why we're talking about it. We're based in Denmark, and if we have communities that, you know, have this kind of, you know, culture of honor killing, then it, will, it probably will happen here as well. You know, if, 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 you know, in Africa, we know it happens. In Asia, we know it happens. In America, we know it happens. So it's not a British problem, Okay. That was just the first article that I thought I would share with you all. And, um, yeah, and uh, it's from The Guardian. It's from The Guardian Guest. You can go to theguardian.com and you can read the article. I think just search for the article on forced marriage in the UK and it should pop up. Okay, y'all? So before we, we dive even farther into today's show, I'm going to play and share with you a message from our special guest today. Okay? We're going to go ahead and do that. But before we do that, y'all, I know y'all want to go into the welcome party. We're going to do that right now. And then after that, I will share the message. Um, yes, it's a very important message because it's a life message. And it's a beautiful message where you can actually connect with the person. And you'll get to know her um, a little bit better, you know, 
when I share the message that she has prepared. Um, she has prepared, um, but yeah, it's actually a presentation she did on the TEDx Whitehall Women in the you know UK. So it's it's quite interesting, at least for me. There was a lot of things that I took from from it. Hopefully, it will have the same impact on somebody out there. Okay, inspire somebody. Everybody all, let's go into a welcome party like we always do, and after that. We'll dive right in. I will share the message with you all, and then we'll keep it pushing. Okay, y'all? Here we go. Welcome to the welcome party. Hey, everybody. I see you. Hi. I'm doing great. Thank you. Okay, let's go.
All right. Welcome back, everybody. First things first. Yes, you all know how we do. First thing I'd like to do is to send out love to each one of you and just simply thank you for all your support. And we're going to do the shout-outs today. It's been a while since we did those, but I think it's very important to acknowledge all our listeners. And we're going to start right here at home in, in Scandinavia. And um, our first shout-out goes to Norway. Thank you, Norway, for all your support. Um, big shout-out to Denmark and Sweden as well. Um, big shout-out to you all. Um, and the UK, yes. Big shout-out to all our British listeners out there, our UK listeners, be showing us some mud love. Yep. Um, let's go to the Americas and say a big shout-out to the US and another big shout-out to Canada and Mexico for all the support that you show us. Thank you for listening. We're honored that you take your time to listen to our shows and we hope that you can get something from our different topics that can help inspire you, you know, to do something with it. Um, 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 yes, and while we are still up there, we're going to give a big shout-out to our listeners in Brazil and in Peru. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for your support. Let's go down to... No, oh, oh, still in Europe. I forgot, y'all. Big shout-out to France and a big shout-out to Spain, um, Germany as well, and um, Russia as well. Big shout-out to you all for all your support. Now we can head down to um, Africa. And give a big shout-out to Ghana, Mali, Ivory Coast, and Kenya. Um, big shout-out to you all. Thank you, thank you for all your support. We're going to go up to Asia and give a big shout-out to our listeners in the Philippines, in India, Indonesia, and Malaysia. Thank you so much for listening. Um, let's go a little bit down and give down under and give a big shout-out to Australia. Thank you all for listening. And um, we'll just um, go down to, um, go up now, go back up to Saudi Arabia and um, Iran. And uh, thank you all for all your support, y'all. Okay, y'all are just fantastic. You're awesome. Unbelievable. We adore you all. And we thank you for listening. So keep listening. And, um, and you know, some of y'all be listening in the archives and we love you all. Go ahead and keep listening. This show is to inspire, educate, and create awareness on different topics and issues that affect us all. Okay, y'all? Okay, so before we dive into today's show, I'm going to play you a very, very, um, uh, very, very special message from our guest. Um, this was her speech, her TEDx Whitehall Women's Speech. And to me, it was not only touching, but it showed a woman with resilience, a woman with extreme passion, and a woman who really has just embraced her calling. And so I'm going to share that with you all. I hope you all can hear it. Um, let me know if you can't, but I give me a thumbs up if you can. Okay? I'm going to play it for you all. And then when we when we when we're done, we come back and we'll start to chat it up. Okay, y'all? Okay, here we go. Okay. All good. All good. All good. Perfect. Okay, Let's listen. everybody. My culture, an Indian woman, my family, Bollywood, my education, media, have all had an impact on me, a British Asian woman growing up in the UK in the 70s and the 80s. 
who didn't quite fit the mould because she had freckles and green eyes, didn't look like all the other Asian people at school, but that's okay. It's nice to be different. It's nice to celebrate our own identity. As I was growing up in a South Asian community, I didn't realise at the time, but actually I'd been socially conditioned by my conditions of tradition, sorry, from my community, my family and my elders and other people around me. When you watch Bollywood films, you kind of think you're going to live happily ever after. You're going to have 2.4 children. Sadly, for some of us, that isn't the reality. When you're dealt a pack of cards, I've been dealt the Joker a few times, but I also knew the next card for me was always going to be an ace. By the time I was 21, I lost an ovary to cancer. And I was married. My marriage ended because of a lot of different reasons. And actually, it wasn't a fairy tale. People want to control you. They want to oppress you. And you've been told that actually, you belong to a good family and we stay in this marriage because actually, you've got to uphold the family traditions and the community name in our community. I love being a South Asian woman from Britain and living in Canada, so I have dual citizenship. It's quite funny when I go to India, because actually they think I'm a lottery ticket because I've got two passports. <laughs> but, um, <yeah. laughs> but actually, on a serious note though, as I've been on my knees sometimes in life and been dealt some really difficult choices to make. And kind of look at myself, and I think it's a really good time, because actually I think when you're on your knees, you can actually kind of, it's the best time to pray. But actually, as I've grown up, I've kind of questioned faith and questioned certain things, because actually I've been brought up as a Sikh and a Hindu to learn about karma, that what we put out there is what we get back. So by the time I was 21, I wasn't expecting to be told that actually you know, that you're never going to be able to probably have children, but you do, but you lost your chances by 50%. So when you've been conditioned by the community, they're probably thinking, well, she doesn't look that bad, you know, she's got the green eyes, but she can't have children, so she's not good enough anymore. You either sink or you swim. And I've always been a bit fearless. I was brought up in a very loving home. I was brought up with an amazing family, and I had a great sense of self-worth. So when people try to put their values on me because of that's what my community was expecting. I was lucky that my family did kind of... Sorry, but your call cannot be and completed. I'm so grateful and I'm so blessed and I'm so lucky to even to this day. They support me with some of the choices that I make. My mother's always losing sleep on my family though because I think, oh my God, you know, here she goes again and, you know, got another fatua coming after her again. The but number you, know you have what? dialed has not been recognised. Please try again. Compass. And I think when I was growing up in the 80s, because I didn't quite fit in with the Caucasian children, because I wasn't quite fair enough, and then with the South Asian girls, you know, she looked like the oddball. But you know what? You kind of develop your own self-worth. And I've had an amazing life. The and number you have dialed has not been recognised. Please try again. Asking to set up the forced marriage unit. I feel so proud and so honoured to be standing here today as one of the founders of the Forced Marriage Unit. I feel so privileged to be able to support hundreds of children. 
When I turned 36, of living with years of endometriosis, which is an awful illness if people know about it, and I ended up losing my whole womb. That was a little bit of a very dark time for me because I thought, I held on to hope. I went through surgery after surgery, and I kept thinking, no, I want to have children because I need to have children because I'd been conditioned. I'd been told that this is the way that you're supposed to be. But you know what? I realized that I wasn't destined for that life. I was sitting on a plane flying back from New York, and I met somebody really amazing. And they said to me, you have the most amazing life. God sometimes takes things away from you because he has different plans for you. Most people can do 2.4 children. Most people can be, you know, give birth to a child, but they don't necessarily mean they're going to be a parent. You supporting children in Africa or in India or wherever else it may be, or even in the UK, and supporting them to end their, to get out of an abusive situation, that is your calling. So I've never looked back 10 years later. And life has been really amazing because I live my life by following my bliss and following my passion. My life calling is, is about standing up for people. It's about, you know, it's okay being different, it doesn't matter, but it's about being fearless. It's about actually standing up to communities, whether it's my community or the African community or the Pakistani community, whatever community it is. Because when I, before I'm a feminist or before I'm an Indian woman or before I'm a woman, I'm a human being. And every one of us in this room belong to one race and it's called a human race. And I think sometimes we don't want to focus on that because we think, cool, you know, they belong, they're a bit different. Or, and I kind of think we need to celebrate difference. This is my country. I'm born and raised in this country, and I am so proud of being British. Absolutely love it. I've lived in Canada. I've worked away in other places, but this is where my heart is. I can go back to India on holiday, but that doesn't feel like home to me. I don't really fit in. You know, so when I kind of look at young people now and they've been feel like they feel so disengaged they don't feel like they fit in anymore into society I have to go back and question them and say well why don't you feel engaged why do you not feel like you belong in the UK and it's really quite sad because actually and I go back and talk to whether it's young South Asian children or whether it's white British children up north who would choose to join the EDL or far-right movement and it comes back to sense of belonging. People feel like there's no real opportunities for them sometimes, or they don't feel like somebody's going to listen to them. And I say to them, look, I've smashed the ceiling. It's now a floor for the next generation. I sleep, breathe, and live about mentoring the next generation. I'm so passionate about creating real opportunities for the next generation and recently I was at the United Nations and I met some lovely people that were there and Simone being one of them and that was fabulous because that was world merit 360 change makers young people come across the globe from 80 odd countries because they buy into the UN's development goals there are three people here today that I mentor Sarah and Chaya, 
I've met these people just randomly. They're not related to me in any way. But I could see that they had vision. I believed in them. And then I thought, you know what? I'm in a position of privilege. And if I'm able to open doors for them, then I need to do that. Over the years, I've met many women. And they'll be thinking, well, I've made it to the top. Why should I be helping somebody? You know, I worked really hard to the top. And I'm thinking, well, if you know that's what you've gone through, why do you need to be really oppressive? We need to be empowering. We need to be opening doors for the next generation. But one of the things I want to come back to that we need to learn from the past and close the door and move on. Because sometimes in my community, we hold on to certain traditions. I'm not talking about the curry, which is British, Britain's favourite dish or anything like that. Or Sorry, but your call cannot be completed. Like what I'm talking about is practices like FGM, like forced marriages, breast dining. You know, and when I meet young children in this country who have gone through something. The number you have dialed right, has not been recognized. Okay. Please try again. I'll never forget the day when I met this young woman in London at an Amnesty International conference. I was the number you have dialed has time. not been recognized. And she said to me, please try again. Meet me in the toilet. And I thought, God, that's a funny blinking request if I've ever heard one. Honestly, I did. And, um, but anyway, I thought, okay, let's go. And I started talking to her, and she said to me, have you ever heard of breast dining? Sorry, but your call cannot be completed. And she ended up lifting her top up, and I'd never seen anything so horrific. And I'll tell you what shocked me, because I have beautiful nieces, you know, that I love more than life. And, you know, so their body image is so important. You know, when you're a teenager and when you're kind of growing up, you kind of go through so much. And I looked at her and I said, what the hell, what, what's happened to you? And she said, my mum did this because she was worried I was going to get raped, so I won't look attractive. And I, tell, and I was just absolutely horrified. I've spent years supporting disabled people who are also victims of forced marriage and honour-based violence. People are like, are you sure? And I was thinking, yes. Sometimes there are different motivating factors for those parents. But I think sometimes we all have to take a stand and we have to challenge out-of-date cultural norms. So whether we start thinking that somebody is a little bit different and we start branding them a witch. I've been called that a few times as well, I can assure you. But do you know what? It's, we need to follow our passion. We need to follow our bliss. We need to be led by our moral compass. I want to give you guys to think about something today, actually. I want to call for an action. I want you to become fearless. I want you to take responsibility. And if you are in a position to be able to create an opportunity for a young person, then do that. I love the fact that we are here today and we are here to network. If somebody is standing alone and they seem a little bit shy, go over and say hi to them because I'm sure that we've all got a story to tell. And I also just want to say that, you know, we need to celebrate difference. So whether you don't look like the norm, you look a bit different. I started telling myself many years ago, I sit outside the bell curve, and it's a good little place to be sometimes. Because you know what is normal? It's quite boring, really. 
And, you know, it's just an amazing venue. And like I just said, it's brilliant to be here all the years later. I'm here always at the forced marriage meetings anyway. But actually, to be able to come back here today and talk about issues that are really important to me. And if people want to get involved with the UN Youth and other organisations that I'm linked with, please come back and contact me. I'm on a mission to make London a safe city. We have young people who don't feel safe in London. So if you're a victim of a forced marriage and you've run away from home, you don't have the survival skills. It's a scary place, London. And I kind of want to really make a pledge that if you're able to support violence against women, promote gender equality, then please come and contact me at break because actually, you know, I love meeting like-minded individuals. And thank you and have a lovely day today. Um, that was a speech by Mandy Sangera, and yes, it is powerful. It's very, very powerful, Susan. I know. Yeah, and that is just the tip of the iceberg because Mandy is. Um, um, she'll be joining us shortly. Um, you know, so we'll just be patient, y'all. You know, we can we can talk for hours. There's so much to talk about when it comes to these kind of topics, and it's important to raise awareness. I know a lot of times. Um, people say, why do you talk about it? I mean, we're talking too much, but that's how it starts. It's very difficult to solve a problem if you don't identify that there is a problem. Solving anything always begins with identifying it and then, you know, diagnosing it and then going on to see what is it you can do. And it takes, this is the kind of problem that actually needs a collective solution because it's, it's something that is happening in, in families, in the school, in the workplace, you know, in every, um, in every area, you know, in every area of, of the society that we all interact with, you know. Um, so we're talking about it, okay? We're talking about it. And, um, yes, we intend to create as much awareness about it as we can. Yeah. Um, yes, um, yes, I, I gave a little bit intro about Monday before you joined us, um, Susan. Um, Ms. Sangera, she's called, her name is Monday Sangera, um, and she's an international human rights activist who has spent um, the last 27 years supporting victims and survivors of harmful practices such as honor killing, FGM, um, early forced marriages, faith-based abuse and witchcraft yeah so that's a big cake <laughs> it's a big yes it's, it's, it's a big one to chew on yes Mandy is um, she's also an international motivational speaker um, who has spent years supporting and empowering others to find their purpose and rebuild their lives after abuse she continually um, dedicates herself to her real passion of being an upstanding humanitarian over the past 27 years Mandy has helped hundreds of individuals and now reaches 
thousands through social media and her generous amount of worldwide TV appearances and public speaking engagements. She regularly appears in international press and has been involved in several documentaries raising awareness of social issues. And um, Yes, y'all. Okay. Yes. Okay, y'all. I need to, um, you know, work through some technical difficulties with um, some of our <laughs> some of our listeners. So what we're going to do while I help them out on the other end is I will um, we'll play some music. Okay, y'all. And then we'll be right back. Okay, y'all. Bear with us, y'all. You know how we do. Bear with us. <laughs> Okay, okay. Um, let's see what we gotta play. Um, let's see what we gotta play. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, let's see what we gotta play. I'm gonna play you all. I don't know. I'm gonna play you all some. Um, we'll listen to for two. She's very calming, very relaxing, very beautiful music. Yes. Okay, here we go. And um, we'll be right back. Okay, y'all, bear with me. Y'all, this is a live show and um, we got to work it. Okay, so here we go. Ay, pam si bolora ne kana. 
Okay, everybody, welcome back. So we have Monday on the line. Um, Y'all will help me out now, okay? This is a live show, okay? (laughs) I know, right? She's amazing. So we have Monday here with us. Um, Y'all will give me a thumbs up if you can hear her. She's clear. Let me know, and then we'll work it out, figure it out. Um, And, um, yeah, we'll just welcome Monday on the show. Monday, say hello to everybody. Can y'all hear Monday? Okay, great. Okay, it's a bit low. Okay, Monday, you're a bit low, they say. Um, yep. Is that okay, everybody? It's still a bit low? Okay. Okay. Anyway, we'll have to go ahead with the show, y'all. As long as you can hear her and you can catch what she's saying, that's the most important thing, okay? Because the most important thing is that you're able to follow the conversation. Okay, y'all? Yeah. Monday, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's an absolute honor and a pleasure having you on today's show. Yeah, it's really an honor. And and this is one of those topics that a lot of people just hear about in person, you know, one news flush, breaking news here, and then they forget about it, you know. And and I thought that it, it, it's important for us to talk a little bit about this and raise awareness about a very big issue that is kind of brushed under the carpet. And uh, nobody wants to talk about it, yet we see it. We interact with people on a daily basis that are going through these things. And, um, and, you know, it's kind of that thing that you feel, well, it's not my culture. I don't want to get involved, you know. Um, so, mm. what it is, um, when we look at the word honor, we think it's a very positive word. It is a word of putting somebody in esteem. But this is a decision. This is an amazing word. But actually, so when honor becomes dishonor when we start abusing people in the name of religion, culture, and tradition, we have a right to stand up. No place in society, whether it's in India, the UK, America, Africa, anywhere in the world, nobody has a right to be abused because of their out-of-date cultural traditions. Practices like FGM, early child forced marriage, juju, witchcraft, so many goes on. Yeah. And and you know, you've mentioned honor killing or abuse related to honor. This is honor in courts. You know, as Mandia yeah. said, it's not the honor the way you think there's something honorable. You know, that's not the definition of these kind of honor killings. And and just to kind of clarify a little bit on what honor is, what are some of the features of an honor killing? Just so that we can put that in a little bit of you know perspective. Rights, more about any of the women's rights 
So, for instance, we have had some really high-profile cases where young girls have refused to marry. Shafari Ahmed, so many other different people like Jesse Sidhu in Canada. We have had young people in the West who didn't want to marry somebody and they chose to run away from home or have a relationship with somebody their family did not approve of. And what happened was the family then felt that you have shamed us. So the only way that we can get justice is by killing you because actually we're holding on to our family honor. We're holding on to our name, our good name in society. Mm-hmm. And families will not look at the love or anything they have for the child because they are overridden by all the sort of keeping faith in society. Mm-hmm. And and how old are 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 the I don't like to use the word victims. Yeah, you know. Okay, so, um, it can really vary. We have had children younger than seven or eight being married, being forced to marry in some parts of the world. And we have had people in the UK who have been 15, 16, who have been forced into marriages and been made to do things they do not want to do. You know, families have killed girls in the womb because they will have a select selection abortion. Mm. So actually, girls are discriminated before they're even born. So we will actually abort a girl because we think that um, it's better that we don't have to give dowry, we don't have to beg for her marriage, she won't bring dishonor on us. And actually, it has tipped the population in some countries where there isn't enough women in some parts of the world because actually China. females mm. have been killed. Yeah, China, mm. India, parts of India, there's parts of, you know, so many countries in the world where women have been killed and now the ratio has actually tipped that there isn't enough women. And that's so stupid because we need women to reproduce life because men cannot give birth to children. Yeah, it's actually, I mean, I don't know how, yeah, this is, and this is where, again, people say, you know, when I have some of, sometimes these conversations, because you see it. I mean, you're walking on the street. You can see that things are not right. If you're a teacher, you can see that something wrong. You know, you said seven-year-old um, girl. That's a very, that's a child, in my view. And, and children, yeah, and children have a way of not hiding their emotions because they just can't. They're innocent, and you can see in their body language when something is not right. And, and as teachers, they say, well, we're here to teach and we can't get involved in family issues. Is that the approach that teachers should be taking? And I, and I say teachers because... However, children will get abused in But in some countries, say in Africa or India or other places like that, um, where children are not in education because families will be keeping the girl at home. So as soon as she starts her period at 10 or 11, she's pulled out of school. Sometimes girls are um, not educated because of poverty. Sometimes parents will just say, well, look, you know, you're going to get married. It doesn't matter. You don't need an education. If we educate a girl, we empower her. She can work herself out of poverty. So we need to talk about early child force marriages. I was in Canada earlier this year, and we did an event in Canada, and it was called For the Dress. Yeah. And it was a phenomenal event. We actually had a video message from Justin Trudeau's wife, Madam Sophie. She was so passionate about early child force marriage 
there are millions of girls who are brides before they are 16. And, you know, even in some parts of America, which is a civilized part of the world, allegedly. Yeah, and that's a question that just came in through um, a message on my Twitter, and that is, do honor killings happen in the U.S. and the Europe? And Europe? Mm. Yeah. There was a police in Toronto some years ago where the father killed his daughter because he wanted to hold on to the family name and honor. The problem is the police, the front lines, staff, the first responses don't always recognize the difference between domestic violence and honor-based violence. Honor-based violence is different to domestic violence. Domestic violence is you're in an intimate relationship with somebody and you'll know the perpetrator. In honor-based violence, the whole family is involved, the community is involved, your elders are involved, your grandparents, your siblings, anyone can be involved. They will do whatever it takes to protect the family name, family honor. So, for instance, um, like even in the Gypsy Romania um, culture, um, there are young people who are forced to stay in relationships because they live on campsites, they're a little bit out of the society in the UK or in Ireland. And what happens is if a girl is dating a boy and then she decides, well, I don't want to stay with him, she is forced to stay with him because they don't want her to have a bad name. So honor goes across all communities, all walks of life. And even, you know, it's not just poor people, because honour is a big thing, even in, you know, the elite, um, you know, sort of like the upper classes as well, because actually they don't want you to date somebody of a different lower caste to you. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was just thinking back, this is a bit of a backtracking maybe, but it, I just okay. want you to touch on this a little bit. When you mentioned the, the child, the dowry, you know, why they abort the girls while in the stomach, you know, they go for scanning, they see you have a girl, and then they have an abortion, right? To get rid of the girls because they don't want to pay dowry. In Africa, is it the reverse? Because in Africa, the, the men pay dowry for the girls. So the forced marriage is actually, in my understanding, you know. Mm. Yeah. And there is a real um, difference. And um, again, um, you know, people will exploit um, vulnerable girls. So what will happen if in Africa you're a poor family, sometimes what will happen is um, if you have nothing to give, they will take your child and think, well, we'll marry her, she can be my bride. This can be a man who's 50, 60, 70 years older than the girl. 80. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, we've seen people older than that. And people will just say, oh, he can give her a better life. We have seen girls in Afghan, and Afghanistan, sorry, where, you know, the family have killed her for a meal, a goat, something stupid like that. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't value girls. We don't put the, the respect that we do as we do for boys. And that is just so sad because the gender equality, inequality, is just so obvious. It's Even so obvious, yes. It's so painfully obvious. Yeah, and in the UK, people still pay men 20% higher than they do, say, you know, their females are paid less. You know, um, the UN did a campaign earlier this year and it was said that women are paid 23% less than men. That's a quarter. So, you know, these are real facts and we need to look at this. So why are there that there is such a difference between 
um, not just about the violence, but actually even treating women with respect and dignity. And where does this imbalance stem from? Because I always think there must be a root cause that keeps this systematic and the processes, everything seems to be just rigid. Nobody wants to budge. And yet, these are their children going to be mothers, you know? And, and, and it's very important, like you mentioned, to educate your girls, like when we're talking about, you know, the reverse where, you know, you marry off your daughter because of, you know, your, your financial situation, and then you get the cows and the dowry, and that's where you feel this is good. But actually, in the long term, if you were thinking long term, the benefits, like you mentioned, of the education are much more. But actually, if the girl becomes a breadwinner in the family, the family then are more dependent on her money and don't want to marry her off. So these are real facts and things that we need to be promoting. We need to start empowering young people. We need boys to be a part of the conversation. Brothers have to step up and say to families, we will not let our sisters be married. We will not let our sisters be exploited. We will not let our younger sister not have an education. We need her to have an education. We want her to be empowered. We want her to have choices. We want her to live a life that she wants to. So it is so important that boys are a part of the solution and not always seen as a problem. We need to start at home, not at school, at home. We need to promote gender equality and respect at home. I totally agree. Each brothers and parents need to say that actually there is no difference between the boy and the girl in our house. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Mm. I totally agree because if that awareness and education sinks in the family, then they will not propose these actions or push the girls or intimidate them. Because, you know, when you were mentioning, um, you know, the process and how honor, the, you know, the honor, in quotes, honor, honor killings happen, you know, and the shame that it, because of the shame that it brings, you know, you know, if they refuse to get married, the shame it, it will so-called bring to the family, I was thinking about um, the intimidation, you know, because this is your family. These are not strangers. So, you know, if you have to go to court, you know, you know, I, I, I just tend to believe that, you know, people still love their family members, you know, and that's what makes it so problematic in my view. Mm-hmm. Will not want to report their family. They mm. do not want their family to get into trouble, but at the same time, they want that abuse to stop. They want to be stopping that false marriage. They don't want to go through with practice of FGM or breast dining. They want to stop that abuse. They want to stop that harm. So what I have found is that sometimes these false marriage protection orders have acted as a deterrent. So it has made families think, oh, okay, I could get into trouble here, so I better not do this. There are some failings in the UK where if you're a child being removed from your family because of neglect or abuse, or we take you away and take you into care, we don't let you have um, back to the family without some sort of safeguard. So why is it that a child who's a victim of forced marriage or honor violence that we send on back with a forced marriage protection order? We write on the forced marriage protection order that your mom and dad cannot force you into a marriage, but it doesn't stop your granny or your auntie or your cousins putting pressure on you. So we need to look at things properly. There are some good processes in place in the West. Working partnership to do that. 
Um, um, I'll just invite um, my co-host, um, just jump right in when you can. I have Monday um, on the line, and we just, um, we're just talking a little bit about post, you know, post-marriage and honor killings and the context. Yes, hello? Yeah. Monday, can you hear Shaz? Hello, Shaz. Hello. Hey, how are you? Hello, Mandy. Welcome to our show. It's our pleasure to have you. Thank you. I can hear you. Great. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. We'll just go on, Mandy. And Shaz, just jump right in um, whenever you're ready. Um, when I when I when I kind of um, mentioned this, I'm originally from Kenya, and in Kenya, one of the we have quite a lot of child marriage, you know, that's going on. Um, young girls leaving school, and some of these girls are actually very proud to get married because they see this as a way out of poverty. So, you know, this is why I'm saying in the family, this kind of this culture and celebration of certain events, even if it's a child, it's kind of seen as a good thing. And then on the flip side, you know, there's the FGM, and the FGM is a huge problem. And we have seen that sometimes the mothers have been involved in sneaking their daughters away and kind of, you know, um, tricking them into, you know, take, we're going on a trip and then, you know, they're actually taking them secretly for an FGM. Yeah. Yeah. I can hear you. Um, Monday, Monday is, um, is, is getting interrupted. Um, and um, um, Monday, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. They're just saying that you're a bit low, and they can't hear you very well. Um, people go to school. So over 75% of the people 
are educated at home or in the community, or they learn old wife tales. And that's the problem. So until we educate people, we're not going to break that cycle. Yeah, but there's also this thing. I mean, you've worked in Africa. And, and when we say Africa, of course, um, um, Susan, Susan is one of our listeners. We don't mean the whole continent. It's certain areas and parts of Africa that happen, but it's still a problem. In our view, one girl is one too many. So that's just how we look at it. Um, yeah. But that being said, she, of course, we're not talking about the whole continent. There's specific countries that practice SGM. Some do not have the practice. So we're focusing on those countries. Okay, Susan. Um, what I was going to say is um, when, when you say education, in, in my view, when we talk about FGM, it's still kind of a taboo in, even in, yeah. in, in Kenya. And in Kenya, again, we have 42 tribes and not all tribes practice it. Some tribes exactly. practice it, very few tribes actually. But still, it's such a horrific and horrendous practice that we just bring it to the limelight and you know, try and create as much awareness about it because it actually, girls are dying from this. And, and there are also some long-term implications, you know, health issues. Uh, Mandy, can you talk a little bit about that? Because you know, when we are educating them, is it important to mention these um, serious health issues? Yeah. It is about learning about life skills, it's about learning about healthy relationships and actually telling you that your body is your body and nobody has a right to violate it. Because we don't talk about sex education, we don't talk about reproductive rights of women, we don't talk about any of their basic human rights for them, because all they know is what they've been taught by their family and their community. They do not understand what is going on. So when we talk to a young girl, because they have been told that their mum, who they trust more than anyone, they don't expect their mum to cause them harm. The women that are carrying out FGM are not nurses. These are old women in the community who make money by doing this to you. I have seen videos of girls carrying out been having FGM done to them. It is some, it's a very scary practice. The girl is in agony and in pain and you know, we need to show that actually it causes complication in childbirth, it can cause problems with fertility, it can cause you problems with disease and everything else. So there's a lot of education that needs to be done. And we also need to educate men around safe sex, about wearing condoms and actually, you know, respecting women. Women are not just a means to end to create children. You know, they are human beings, they have rights too. And we need to start sending those messages in. And I'm doing a lot of good work in Africa at the moment with Kenya and Ghana and places like that, where in Nigeria, young people, young men are becoming activists, standing up for women. They are breaking that cycle. And this is the only way that we are going to have a change when we start making men a part of the solution and not the problem. We challenge the masculinity of men. We challenge the stereotypes. We challenge their ideology because until we do that, we are not going to break that cycle. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you because FGM, it scars these girls for life. And, you know, there's Waris who wrote an amazing book, you know, about the whole experience. And even, you know, know in you her late... Yeah, this is a woman who has lived her life talking about this and the impact, the long-term effects 
on women. So it's not just a one thing thing. And I, and I like the way you put it that, you know, the men need as much education as possible because when they start to see that this is not what defines a woman, then they will, you know, they will maybe reduce the demand for this woman who has been circumcised, you know, you know, for lack of better words, and, and you know, start looking at women with more respect. Um, you, are, you are also talking about um, that the gender inequalities um, are kind of the root cause to child and early forced marriage. Explain to us a little bit about how this thing, you know, leads into these, um, these actions. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in some communities, in some communities, I can't say, oh, it's going to be the African or the Asian communities, even in the Arab world, even in places like Mexico, and even in America, and even in the West, there is a real problem with um, stereotyping inequality, so it starts at home. So in some families, boys are put on the pedestal because they are princes. They are the ones who carry the family name. So they are the ones that, you know, in my community, in the Asian community, boys were always preferred to girls. But I was lucky in my family because I was the first grandchild and I was very loved and very respected and, and everything else. But actually, in some parts of my relatives, you know, when they had one or two girls, it was like, oh, my God, we've got girls. Um, you know, and it all came down to dowry, about the family honour, um, I hope she's going to be a good girl. You know, so it is about the negative stereotypes. So it comes down to economic, financial. It comes down to that actually, um, you know, the girl has to hold on to the family honour. It's okay for a boy to go out and he can sleep with five, six girls. It doesn't matter about him. But, you know, if the girl does one thing wrong, she gets a bad name for life. Yeah, I was also thinking about that when you said she's a good girl. What is good? Yeah, you know. yeah exactly. You know what? This is, we need to get away from the language we use. Mm. So if I, okay, I'm very headstrong and I'm very assertive and I'm very confident. And I've always been like that as a child because I was nurtured to be confident and strong. So, but I have seen other people who would say, oh my God, Mandy answers her elders back so she can't be a good person. Mandy stands up for what she wants, so she can't be a good person. She's challenging the norm. She can't be a good person. She's answering us back. She can't be a good person. But because somebody's sitting next to me, it's just being quiet, and they say, sit down. She sits. She, they tell her what she eats. She does it. She and it's usually told to the women, right? Yeah. Yeah, if you observe. The men are allowed to talk with whatever tones, raise their voices, and speak up, then it's fine. But yeah. when a woman does that, it's a different response. You have choices, you have rights. You can live your life and become whatever you want to. We have to stop oppressing girls' dreams of an education or a better future. We don't have a right to oppress her life by just putting her into an early childhood marriage. I've had, um, I've had the, the, the response. When you talk about gender equality, you know, sometimes nowadays I think because women are speaking up more, I think we are getting a bit more of a backlash. You know, there is more like, I'm tired of this feminist. You know, I'm tired of this feminist. But when, when, when you try and tell them that, we've not, it's, we've not even, you know, scratched the surface. You know, oh, the issues are so many. We're, we're now just having a voice. Now you just know we exist. Mm -hmm.
tackling inequalities. So these are two goals that I am very passionate about, something that I am very driven about, challenging about, and it's so important. Yeah, and I commend you for your work. I mean, you know, you, you're really amazing because, um, you know, when, 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 when I think when we talk about this topic, you know, people get it from a theoretical perspective. It's just words. But I know for somebody who works in this field, it's real life, you know. And when you deal with this, it's very tough. Mm-hmm. You know, stand up for social rights, for women's rights, for you know what, we have to become the change we want to see. One of the things that I am so passionate about is actually mentoring the next generation, supporting the next generation to become activists by giving them the tools and the equipment to become confident, to become assertive, to stand up for what they believe in. And saying to boys and girls all around the world, don't just dream about going to America or the UK. Do you know what, if you can't, Come to those countries, do the work on the ground in your own communities. Start making a ripple effect in your own country because actually, if you start at home and you can grow and you can go wherever. Because sometimes, you know what, we have a dream and we go off and we want to help other parts of the world and we don't sort of sort our issues out at home. So sometimes you have to start activism really young. We have to get young people involved in the issues that are affecting them, whether it's poverty, violence against women, gender inequality, whatever it may be. It is so important that we get young people involved. It is also important that men are a part of the issue. The issues of honor-based violence and early child forced marriage are looked at safeguarding issues. It is important that they are dealt with as taboo subjects. There is nothing honourable about killing somebody in the name of honour. We need to be very clear about protecting young people and giving them choices and rights. They are human beings before they are women, or feminist, or whatever else you want to call them. We need to start treating people with respect, dignity, and give them back their rights. And we can do that by educating them, empowering them, and making sure that they live a life of what they want to do. Yeah, I totally agree. I know you've already answered this question that I'm going to share with you, but um, I'll just let I'll just ask it again, just in case it wasn't clear. So somebody is asking whether honor-based um, violence and these honor killings are only practiced in Islamic communities, Muslim no. communities. No, no, they're not. Violence is doesn't discriminate. 
it can happen to anyone. Yeah, and somebody's asking a very um, sensitive question, but I'm sure it crosses a lot of people's minds. How can family members kill their own daughters and sons? How can this happen? Well, you know what, that's a million dollar question, but actually why do they do it? They will do anything to protect their family name. That is more important than their children's own happiness and well-being. And we need to start educating families. We need to start saying to communities, live for your children, let your children live the life that they want to. Your community are there, but they're not going to come in if you go to prison. Do you think they're going to come and visit you in court every prison every day? No, they're not. Do you think that they are bothered about what happens to your children? No, they're not. So we need to stop this sort of um, community justice where they think that um, we can, you know, like say we got Sharia law. Now, I don't agree with Sharia law in the UK because we have a good criminal justice system in this country. And so I've seen women who wanted um, an, um, they want to have a divorce. They go and ask for help. And sometimes the women will say, are you being a good wife? Are you meeting your husband's needs? And I'm saying, hang on, she's in a victim of violence. She wants a talaq. Why are you making her go back to her husband? She doesn't want to go back. So there is still um, inequality within faith. Mm-hmm. So we need to start tackling those issues. And the problem we have, people interpret religion to the way that they want to. That's the problem. So this is cultural practice, FKM, early child forced marriage. These are not written in any sacred text, whether it's the Quran, the Gita, the Bible. People are just interpreting this to what they want to be, to suit them. Yeah, and Shaz is saying something. Shaz, you can jump right in any time. Um, Shaz is saying that this is, um, as you're talking, she's saying that this happens in Iran, and uh, it's very common in Iran. Shaz, do you have a question? Um, do you want to give an example or something? No, it was it was just a thing that you um, you mentioned with um, with the Sharia law, and then um, because I also am from Iran, but I know that in Iran, like a woman, if, if she wants to get divorced because she doesn't want to live with the husband for some certain reasons, they also make like when they go to the court, it's the same thing. They want them to just stick to the to the husband, and there is so many things going on in that court that you can even not follow up. And a lot of the women will go back because the father has the right to the children. So he will hold on to the children. So women will not leave and they will stay. So women are often put in abusive relationships. They will mm. end up staying and will go off and marry somebody else. But there are issues where if you read Sharia law, it reads like it promotes quality. It promotes a lot of good things. And the problem is people are not practicing what is written. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say Sharia law, there's such a negative, um, you know, publicity or media that has been attached to this word Sharia, that it automatically comes across as a negative. Um, Yeah. good things in it is giving women rights it's giving this but the problem is it's not being practiced so whatever is written 
it's been contradicted because it's not been practiced. So mm. the problem we have is there is a real double standard and it's not been used properly. So like in the UK, we have a very good justice system. 20 years ago, if an Asian woman or a woman from Iraq or Iran experienced trouble, she would go to the police. She would go to a women's refuge for help, domestic violence services. Now, she's told to go to the Sharia law, go to the Sharia courts, sorry, Sharia courts. And they don't get justice. They don't always get the help. So I, that's why I've been very outspoken. But actually, we have a criminal justice system in this country that works. We have no time or space to, to have this. I understand that actually some women don't want help and they don't want to go through the criminal justice system and they want some help. That's fine, but actually we need to be looking at it. And a lot of more investigation needs to be done into it. Yeah, but you know, what you, before you joined from the show, I read um, a little bit, just an expert, from an article on The Guardian UK, and it actually said that only 5% of cases are actually, you know, going through in the UK out of all the cases reported. And what I see with these low numbers is, um, you know, is when, imagine you're a woman who's in a forced marriage and you're very unhappy and, you know, you, you're thinking really hard, how am I going to exit? Okay, I have my family here. I may have to testify against them. There are a lot of very, very serious issues you're considering before taking this step. And then you watch, you know, a friend of yours or a neighbor or somebody you know who went to the court and then nothing happened. Yet they had to deal with the backlash and they had to deal with the shame and they had to deal with, the, you know, abandonment or, you know, being sick part of the family, whatever the consequences are for speaking up. Do you think that then impedes or hinders people from coming forth? You know, because, yeah. I've seen women from all walks of life, women who are experts and independent and financially stable. And judges, even. Yes. Mm -hmm. So the problem is, it's about power and control. And that's what violence is. And then what happens is women will stay. But the problem is in some communities, not just about the violence, but actually there is this whole code of honor. There's this whole extra thing that comes in our communities that actually that is more important. So you will stay in that abusive relationship for the family's name. We can't afford for you to come back and be divorced. We can't afford to remarry you. So these pressures are put on women and they know they can't leave that home. And they will stay in that abusive relationship. So we need to start breaking the cycles. We need to break the silence. We need to start empowering women. Yeah. And, and if somebody wants to help, say they know somebody or they see something happening and they want to speak out, but they don't want to get the backlash, what is the kind of balanced approach that they could take? Because people will always say, Faith, to be honest, I don't want to get involved in this stuff. And I've had it because, you know, I have worked in human trafficking and I have seen people, you know, who have seen au pairs being abused when they go to parties, who have seen maids and nannies being abused, but they say, this is not my business, babe. I don't want to deal with the problem, you know. So, but, but I always say there's a way you can give her a number. You don't have to really get involved deeply, you know. These always do just something. Yeah, and, and if there, is there also support in case, because a lot of these things are also linked to finances. You know, when we look, yeah. 
property should not be about just um, giving money to people. Do you understand? So sorry. Um, sorry, my TV kicked in. I'm really sorry. Um, sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, so what it is, we need to, you know, in some communities, boys inherit the family home, they inherit the land, and girls are not. So we need to tackle all of those issues. We need to tackle the inequality before we go out, start tackling it globally anywhere else. Yeah, and because a lot of these women, yeah, and because a lot of these women would say, you know, I, I've heard this question many times. I can't even count how many times I heard it. They always say, then what? I leave him. I leave my family. Then what? You know. that has been it's been hanging because I just didn't want to interject because I think you have kind of covered it indirectly but I'll just ask it in case it's not clear to the person who's asked it this is from Mary and Mary is saying uh, forced marriage is is it the same as arranged marriage yeah And the difference with a forced marriage is when somebody is put under pressure and duress and they don't have a choice. They have not been able to consent to that marriage. So there is a very clear difference. Okay. Is that okay, Mary? <laughs> okay, great. Okay. Um, another question, and this is from Mike. Um, you mentioned, you're talking about the U.S., the U.K., Europe, uh, where there are a lot of freedoms. And in this person's view, the way they've put it, they think there is enough equality in the in, in, in the West. Um, why can't the women just leave? Why don't they just leave? Again, it comes back to honor and the shame because your family will say, look, we want you to stay because of our family. We don't want you to be forced. We don't want you to be on your own with two or three kids. So there's a stigma of, from community, there's also financial, there's, there's also a real basic one where there isn't enough services, there's not enough provision, there is nowhere else. So if you live in a nice three, four bedroom house, you don't want to be living in a hotel room with your two, three kids. Indefinitely. And those are the sort of things. So until we have the right provision, better safe houses for people, people will not be. They will continue to keep staying in abusive situations. Is that okay, Mike? <laughs> okay. Um, Shaz, do you have any... I, 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 I hope, Shaz, can you hear um, Mandy just fine? Yeah, well, there were some stamps. I couldn't really actually hear her, but, uh, but yeah. But, uh, but I, yeah, I... I understand everything she says it is so right and especially with the Middle East and the arranged marriage because as, as fortunately you can still see that a lot of places in the Middle East and um, sometimes it's just that like you said they, they need to honor their you know their uh, the family or you know it, they're kind of just 
forced to just go ahead and sit on that bench and say, okay, yes, I will do, even though they don't want to. And then there are so many problems and issues afterwards. Um, sometimes it's about life or death. So, and um, yeah, unfortunately, still in this uh, century, we still have those problems around the world. You know, when we talk about these practices, um, you know, um, it comes back to society um, in kind of conditioning us from birth, telling us that actually, you know, when you're when you're growing up, you know, you've been told, um, you know, you're destined for one life, you're going to be married, you're going to have children, instead of telling girls to get into banking, get become lawyers, or become get into STEM and make your own money, become independent. We need to start breaking that cycle. We need to start educating girls. And we need to start saying to communities, you know what, let us choose our, our own partners. And if you say to your children and say, well, actually, do you know what, I'm a Hindu or I'm a Christian or I'm a Jew or whatever I am, you know, we don't mind you finding your own. But if you want to find somebody your own religion, then start doing that. Start giving children choices. Start mm. giving power to youth. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah. And enlightening them about what this really means. You know, I like how you yeah. put it earlier on in the show. You said that they don't understand what this really means. They don't get the full scope of what is happening. And, 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 and um, I'm just wondering whether you've come across, you know, responses such as why you're challenging our culture. Why are you bringing the Western culture to us? You know, we don't want Western culture here. You know. Ideas in our women's heads, stop telling mm-hmm. our women what to do, and um, is our space to tell them what to do, and, you know, and then there's other sides where people are saying, actually, we like what we're doing, but actually, we're not going to be able to break the cycle here because actually, you're up against the community, you're up against the elders, you're up against the community justice systems, you're up against the Sharia law, you're up against whatever else is going on in that community. Yeah, and, and I, I also, I also um, you know, like how you put it when you talked about the Sharia. This is something that maybe I'm bringing up again because it has such a negative tone to it. And um, I'm also seeing what people are texting me here and they're saying, well, Sharia is just not a good thing. And that's why I'm bringing it up again because I think that we tend to judge things before we know enough about it. In these countries, we have fairly good, robust criminal justice systems. Yes, we have an odd case where you may not get justice, where something we may have a miscarriage of justice. But actually, you cannot bribe judges and people to do um, things, right? So you can't buy justice. But sometimes in India, Pakistan, or Africa, those countries are full of corruption. So sometimes you can hide evidence, you can, you know, buy the judges, you can buy your way out of prison. So we have a good system. It's robust. It works. So what we're saying to people, you have a right to come to these countries, but actually we're not going to tolerate. You can come and practice your faith and everything else. We respect you. We're very multicultural. But actually when you bring bad practices 
we're not going to tolerate that. We have a criminal justice system that works. And the problem we have is, on paper, it looks fantastic. It looks like women have rights, women have choices, and everything else. But that in practice, it is not in practice. Women are being oppressed. Women are forced to stay in situations. Women are made to stay in abusive marriages. And if she wants to leave, they take her children so she'll stay in a marriage. So we know that it doesn't work. I am not Islamic phobic. I am very tolerant of every faith. I respect all faith. I've read the Quran. I understand it. So the thing I have a problem with is that actually you can't have a two-tier system. It doesn't work. Because if you've committed a criminal offence, then you need to have justice from the, the country that you're living in. You cannot hide behind your own civil courts, your own community courts, and give community justice to people if somebody has committed a criminal offence. Yeah. We need to be very clear about safeguarding and protecting women and children. We need to protect men as well, because men can be victims of honour-based violence too. Boys can be forced into marriage too. Disabled people can be forced into marriage. I've done a lot of work on disabled adults being forced into marriage who don't even have the capacity and that understanding. So we need to start educating people, talk about these topics more. Let's have a bigger debate. Let's have more conversations. And it's been a great honor being on the show with you today. Yeah, I mean, it's really been an honor. And um, I can see, yes, we have run out of time. <laughs> but um, I think we have covered quite a bit. Um, Shaz, if you have any last questions, please go ahead and just fire away um, because um, we will have to wrap it up slowly. <laughs> yeah. No, no I mean, you, yeah, there were so many, like, important things that you mentioned, and especially with the men that you also mentioned. Um, so I think that, yeah. It has been great to having you here on the show, even though I jumped in like uh, not from the beginning. But um, definitely, this is something that I think globalized that you know it needs to be. I mean, it needs to be taken care. Of. But we need to start educating our community. So, like in Africa yes. and India, you know, when something bad happens in our life, it doesn't mean that there is something bad happening. It does not mean that that person is possessed or that person is an evil witch or that person is, um, you know, needs to be killed or needs to be harmed or needs to be abused. We need to start tackling all harmful practices. So not just the basic ones that we all know about, like false marriages, honor killings. We need to start talking about witchcraft, juju, all of those things, black magic, all of those things, jinns, possessions, you know, sorcery, all those issues need to be talked about. Because they always women that actually end up being the victims nine out of ten times. Yeah, so we that's need to true. Be talking about all these harmful practices. Um, you know, thank you again. I would love to come back on next year. I'm flying out to um, New York, um, not New York, sorry, Washington, this weekend to um, speak and address um, at the UN House of Representatives, and I'm going to be talking about ending violence against women and you know looking at the 16 day of activism and how people can get involved it is so important that people join the conversation people get involved people can join me on twitter on empowerment hour and other movements and i can connect people i'm happy to share um 
and connect people within their own countries to activists and organizations. So I don't want anyone to suffer in silence. You know, we want people to come forward. And if people want help, I'm here to support and guide. Yeah, and, and it's really been an honor, and you're doing an awesome job. I mean, congratulations on the, on the fourth marriage unit. That is a huge achievement. Um, because this is, like we said, it's even, you know, in some cases, it's still taboo. And for this to be achieved is a huge milestone. So I want to congratulate you on that. And I think the work you do is very, very honorable. And I know the challenges that go with it just a little bit. I don't think to this depth of what you have done. You've been in this business for 27 years. And so that's a long time. And I know you've seen a lot. <laughs> so I commend you for sticking it out and just staying strong and um before you joined us, um, while we were waiting to get onto the show, I played your TEDx Whitehall clip. And that was a message I wanted to share with everybody so that they can get on the sign of the woman behind the work. And I think it was so powerful. And, you know, you really put everything, you know, I mean, the passion, the resilience, and the determination. So to us, this is the woman hour for you, and we commend you for your good work, and we wish you all the best. And just keep going. And for all of our listeners, even those who are going to listen in the archives, please do something. You can pick one pearl from this conversation and do something, even if it's just to talk about it in your living room over dinner and just have a conversation. That's awareness. It sticks with people. So don't be shy. Go for it. Um, thank you so much, Mandy. Any last words and, um, and, and uh, before you go? There is no thing about being a small little activist. I started off as a grassroots, you know, 27, 28 years ago. You know, we have a duty to get involved in a passion, get involved in things that motivate you, things that are important to you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mandy. And uh, before you head out, I know you're really rushing. I'm sure you have one foot out the door. <laughs> but I just want to ask you about Girls and Not Bright. Is that an initiative that you're involved in as well? Yes, it is. Um, a couple of years ago, if you Google um, on YouTube and type in Girls Summit Highlights, you will see that I'm the first person that speaks on it. Okay. Um, I will actually tag you into a tweet with the video. Okay. So actually, yeah, the Girls Not Bride were a part of that movement. We had Malada, we had all the world leaders come together all over the world to, and it was called the Girls Summit, to tackle early child force marriage and FGM. So, you know, something okay. that I'm very passionate about, and, you know, we need to be moving these movements again and again, and we need to continue to do the work together. You cannot do it on your own. It, there is no I in team. This is all about teamwork. We have to work with governments. We have to work with NGOs on the ground. And we need people to fund organizations on the ground as well in these countries. People cannot do this work without the resources. Yeah. There you have it. Thank you so much, Mandy. Everybody, get involved. Google it. Look at the description. Connect with her on Twitter. She's really good. She really responds. She's on top of everything. So go ahead. Reach out and share the information wherever you are. It's up to you. Okay, Mandy, thank you so much. Have a safe trip. Thank you. And go for it. <laughs> and okay. wish you all the best. Bye -bye. Yeah. Hey, Shaz. 
Hello? Yeah, hello. Yes, that was Monday. Isn't she amazing? She was amazing, even though sometimes it was, uh, actually, I couldn't hear her. But I think it was, I don't know what happened to the connection, or it was just, yeah. But um, but she was really, like, she just had the whole package. I mean, she's really awesome, and, and, and she does a lot of good I, work. Yeah. I wanted and to it's ask a very her sensitive at the topic. end, but I was like, because... Oh, what did you want to ask her? Because maybe she answered I, before you joined us. Yeah, maybe, because... But she said that you know, with with the with the culture thing, with this marriage, arranged marriage, and everything. I wanted to also add that I also think at family, it's a huge, you know, part of uh, a boy's life or a girl's life. You know, like I mean, the children, because it also depends, like you know, how you're raised in a family. Mm-hmm. So you know, when she was mentioning, like you know, sometimes it's arranged marriage, and they families. They need to stick to their own culture and this and this this. I also think if there is a huge part of, you know, parenting as well, you know, what kind of family you're coming from and how are you being raised in your culture yeah. or, you know, yeah. So, um, yeah. but in general, yeah, she really, yeah, because it's still going on. It's still going on in so many, you know, like actually global wise, like, are you in Middle East? Are you in Africa? Are you in Asia? Are you in America or in Australia? It doesn't matter. But I think this thing with the with the with with the range marriage is all over. Yeah, with the so, forced um, marriage. Because that's another question. I don't know marriage. who asked the question whether arranged marriage and forced marriage is the same thing and she explained it. Totally two two totally different things. And um you know, you know, guys, you know, a lot of people want somebody to do something about these things, but, you know, you can also do something, you know, you can yeah. all do something because even when you say, you know, the UN should do it or this organization should do it or that organization should do it or maybe, you know, the forced marriage unit should do it. There are people behind those organizations. It's not an organization. Right. An organization is not a building. It's somebody no, it's who not. decided I'm going to do this. So when you say this person should do it, the organization is actually you, you know. And a lot of people say, oh, but you know, Faith, it doesn't concern me. That's not my culture. I don't want to get into trouble. I don't want to get involved. But my thing is, I truly believe this, and we've said on many shows that, you know, somebody else's issues will become your issues. Look at the state of the world Mm. today, if you don't believe me. One person suffers in the Middle East. The problem now is in Europe. If you yeah. believe me, one person's problem, if you don't help them, if you don't engage, is coming to a neighborhood near you. So you can't sit back and ignore something and say, oh, I don't want to get involved. You know, someone else's child suffering might end up marrying your child. And guess what? They had a very rough upbringing. So they have certain emotional issues they have to deal with, life challenges they have to deal with. And that may be your son's wife. That may be your son's husband. Your, your son could marry a woman who was abused, you know, who was raped, mm. you know, many times, who was, you know, circumcised. We don't know. We live in a global world. It's such a small world. All roads meet. Okay? Your child could be an exchange student somewhere in Asia, come back with a wife, and then we don't know what she went through there. And now the, your, your family has to deal with those issues because she's going to bring in children, and she may teach them those cultural ways. 
you know, and that may harm your grandchild. So it's really an issue of the collective. And that's why we are sharing this information with you because nobody says you have to do it yourself, but you can do something, no matter how small. Even if it's just funding that organization, do it. Whether it's promoting the initiative, do it. Whether it's responding on social media to something she posts and sharing it to create awareness, do it. Whether it's advocacy, do it. Okay? Because you never know when somebody will be listening and get the information. That's one thing I learned, um, you know, many years ago. Because a lot of abused victims, you know, or survivors are on Facebook. These are human beings. I don't know if people think it's somewhere, happening somewhere, like Mandy said. These are high-profile people. It's not just poor people who are getting abused or raped. Look at all the celebrities saying they were raped or sexually harassed. Also yeah. award-winning women. So, you know, you may post something and that person might see it and that might be the day that they get inspired to exit, yeah. to change, you know? You know, you never know when you, you know, you know how, you know how, Shaz, in school you had your favorite teacher? When they came in, you just, you were so ready to pay attention because people learn differently. They, I might come and say, mm. you know, that drug is wrong for you. And you laugh and say, oh, come on, Faith, stop. Then you can come and tell the same person that drug is wrong for you. And they say, oh, my God, really? That's just how life is. People respond to different people. Same message, different person, different delivery different circumstances, different timing, different place, you know, different concepts. So the way you might share the knowledge is not the way I might share it, and yours may be more powerful and more reaching than mine. That's just how it is. Somebody else may listen to me and say, I get it. Someone else might listen to Charles and say, I get it. So it varies. Um, but I think, um, you know, Mandy was really cool. Um, she has a wealth of knowledge, a lot of experience. And um, I just hope that, you know, the sound was, you know, we're able to hear her and all that good stuff. Anyway, y'all, if there are no more questions, she was powerful, Susan. She was. Yes, she was. I mean, you could tell she has a lot of, you know, you know, you can always tell when somebody is talking from experience and when somebody is talking from reading the book. I don't know if y'all can yeah. tell. It's, it's always different. Or just you're talking. Yeah, it's different. When somebody is talking from experience, you know, like they have walked the walk. Yeah. And when somebody is talking because they have read a whole lot of books, you know. Exactly. I, I just think there's a big difference. I don't know. <laughs> Mike, agree, there is a difference, right? Yeah, I know, Mike. Yeah. Um, there you have it, everybody. Um, anything you want to add, Shaz? Otherwise, we'll just head out. Um, I think no, I just honor. think it was a great show. I mean, Mandy, she was a, I mean, great person. I think, like um, you also said, that it's great what she's doing. It's really like a huge, big thing, and yeah, and she really know, she really knew what she was, you know, I mean, talking about, and and she, I, you could also see that she had experienced a lot of. I mean, you could hear that she had experienced a lot of stuff, or seen a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you enjoyed this. We should have her back on the show. She said she'll be back on the show next year. Yeah, she said. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, of course we're going to have her next back year. on the show. Yes. 
and and we will talk some more. And hopefully next year we'll have different statistics. So y'all get to work. We want to change those numbers. We want 5% to go to 25% by next year. <laughs> that means you got to go and change the world. I know, Mike is saying face <laughs> in one month. <laughs> no, we can do it by the end of next year. Okay, so you have more than one month, Mike. Okay, everybody, <laughs> cheers, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> well, if you can do it in one month, Mike, go for it. You know, we say that the men have to and be And then, Mike, you need to teach us how you can do it in one, one month. <laughs> Mike is just going to, you know. Tell all his social media people what's going on. Okay, Mike? Anyway, everybody, thank you for listening. Um, and uh, thank you, Shaz. All of you on the call line, thank you. Um, I'm sorry for those of you who had a problem with the Skype. I got your messages. Um, yeah. Well, listen in the archives, y'all, and um, you'll be able to get the information. Okay? Yes, I, I really, yeah, I, I got as many questions in as I could, y'all. I know, I know, I know. I wasn't... <laughs> Susan, you had a whole lot of questions. I had to give the others a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, but Susan, um, we'll talk later. And the rest of you, speak up. Do what we like to do, y'all. Go change the world. Oh, Tracy, welcome. Welcome, Christine. You've joined us and we're heading out. So you can listen to the archives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Shaz, what are we doing for the month of November? I say give thanks and give back, but maybe Shaz has a different, you know, we always have something we do every month. Last month we were picking garbage, um, but this month um, <laughs> we have something else we're for you We're giving all. our hearts away. I don't know. Shaz is giving away her heart. <laughs> Thumbs up if you want to give your heart away. <laughs> and give it back Again, of course, but just give it all away. So, you know, you okay. need to show some love, man. Okay, so this month, Shaz says you need to show some love. Okay, y'all, show some love, give thanks, give back, and let's keep in pushing. Thank you, y'all. Enjoy the rest I'll of the day. I'll be a better man today. Yeah. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.